Welcome back to Sin Suda Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we're in Titus chapter 2. It reads, But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to too much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourselves in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They're to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority, let no one disregard you. As we jump in here to chapter 2, we see some specific things that Paul desires Titus to be imparting through his instruction of the people he serves. I would like for us to be able to focus in on one aspect of this that I believe is shown through most of the different people that are categorized here. As you read through this passage, you see some specific items that are to be taught to older men, younger men, older women, and younger women. But I believe that there's one that goes through all four of those based upon the way in which it's referred to here in this passage, and that's the concept of self-control. I'd like for us to focus on self-control today as I believe it to be a crucial characteristic of the Christian believer. I believe self-control to be this basic item that is necessary for a Christian as it leads to some of the other items that are mentioned here as well. In order for somebody to be able to literally die to themselves and to live for Christ, to set aside their own desires, to be able to pursue godliness, to be able to pursue the different things that God asks us to do, they must have control of themselves. I also find it interesting that if you look through this passage, there are many things mentioned for older women, older men, and younger women, but there's only one thing mentioned here for younger men, and that's to be self-controlled or to be sensible, to be able to be in control of their faculties, to be able to be in control of everything that they have, their entire body for the purpose of being able to essentially deny your own cravings and deny your own desires to be able to elevate those of the one another's and the entire body of Christ. So as we think about that, as we reflect on our ability to control ourselves, we need to understand that it's crucial and foundational to our ability to grow as a Christian. When we look down at verse 11, we see that there's a more generic sense of what Titus is supposed to be focused on that also includes this. It says here, "...for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people." training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. An aspect of casting off these things, and casting off the teachings of the world, and renouncing the ungodliness and the things that the world desires and teaches us that we should pursue— is to be able to control those cravings, to be able to control your body, to control yourself, to make wise and sensible decisions that 
that are under the umbrella of what God is calling us to do as believers. Once we are in that state, we're then able to grow from it and to pursue the maturation that the Spirit is able to bring in our lives once we've brought it down to the base level of allowing our hearts to be transformed and to grow on that. But I believe it begins with self-control. And as we examine self-control, I want us to understand that it's more than just not making the huge worst decisions. So it's more than just not being uh, lazy or a glutton or an alcoholic or a person who is pursuing these things that are horrible for your body, but it's the ability to say no to things that distract you from the mission, no to things that have the potential to waste your time to pull you away from the pursuits that are the most valuable in your life. And I think that that's something that was not stressed early to me in terms of what self-control meant. Yes, can I sit there and can I maintain a good body position? Can I focus on what's happening? Yes, okay, okay, that means I have self-control. But it's more than that. Are you able to deny cravings, whatever they are, for entertainment, for any aspect of your life? Are you able to deny these things that are trying to pull you off mission or pull you off target because you are in control of yourself, your desires or cravings, because the Spirit is active in your life? And so I pray that we are able to reflect on that and use that as an opportunity to see the way in which God is maturing and growing us as individuals. Because if our self-control is continually moving away in terms of our ability to do that, if it's continually becoming less and less, then that's cause for concern because we should be growing in self-control. We should be growing in our ability to deny cravings and to focus on what is for the betterment of the good and for the glory of God. And so as you reflect on that today, I pray that you're able to anchor your faith in the fact that you see God working in you to deny the things that are of the world and to pursue the things that are of him because of the way in which he's developing the discipline of self-control in your life. As far as a question from this passage, I'd like for us to look down at verse 11. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. When we think about that, what does it mean that salvation has been brought for all people? Does that mean all people are saved? Does that mean that the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross has been universally applied to all people? That's the teaching of universalism, and some people might try to come to this passage to say, here is where the Bible says that all people have been granted salvation because of God's grace. But when we look into this phrase, all people, we see that it's referring to all mankind and not just to a generic statement being all people. And when we talk about all mankind, it's talking about the categories of people. We've just mentioned older men, younger men, older women, younger women, bond servants. When we look through the rest of the teaching of Scripture, we see that it's been given to Jews and to Greeks, to slaves, to the free. It's been given to all categories of people. It's not saying that it is there for all people in terms of all being each and every one, but in terms of the kinds of people. The wholeness of mankind has this opportunity to experience salvation. 
And so that's an important thing for us to understand. It's important for us to look into what those words are meaning. It's much like when we've talked in our ASM time about the book of 1 John and how it uses the word world. When he say the whole world, it might be saying the world system, or it could be referring to the earth as a whole. We need to understand the nuances of those words that are there. And this is one of those places where the way in which you interpret this has immense ramifications theologically for what you're talking about. And so we must understand and look in and study God's word and examine it across the rest of the teaching of scripture to see the way in which these words are being used, to see the connotations as well as the definitions of these words, to see the way in which the context helps us to soften out some of the difficult readings of scripture as we further understand what they are actually trying to say for the original audience, as well as then for us in our day today. And so as we reflect on that, I'd love for you to be sharing your questions with other people in your life, because I know that there's many people who might have that same question that we looked at today, but there's also other questions that we haven't covered in this passage. And so as you talk about the questions that you have in your life as you study God's Word, it allows you to grow with one another. It allows you to be involved in that discipling process, to be involved in that sharpening process that takes place when God's people gather together seeking to understand him in a greater sense and seeking to explain the way in which he's revealed himself to them, to others for their benefit and for God's glory. And so as you navigate that today, know you are loved. You're-